Oregon football misses on a four-star athlete, Arliss Boardingham, and he goes to Florida instead, but that's not exactly the worst news. I'll explain that. And Oregon basketball stumbles all around. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you for making this your first listen every day. It's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single day. Every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And if you want to start out today by getting your question answered here on the show, first, I encourage you to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And secondly, remember this trifecta of ways to get your questions answered by me right here on the pod for all to hear. Tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod or DM one of two accounts at LockedOnDucks or my personal account at Smalls underscore 55. So, uh, some news coming for Oregon football and then we'll get into the recent games for Oregon basketball. Um, You know, there's always plenty of good news to share and I will always share that with you and I will, you know, be enjoying the the spoils of, of good times and wins and momentum, all that sort of stuff. But being a fan, as I'm sure you know, has its ups and downs. And not going to lie, past week or so, a lot of downs for for, for Duck fans. It's been uh, a little bit of a tough week. So let's start on the recruiting trail. Oregon football misses on four-star wide receiver slash tight end Arliss Boardingham, who instead goes to Florida. This was kind of expected if you'd been following his recruiting along. He, you know, was always sort of leaning to Florida. Um, I, I heard that his parents actually wanted him to to go there, and that had been a part of, a part of the reason he chose to go down and join Billy Napier, another first time. Uh, head coach at Power 5 level, that is. Dan Lanning, a first-time head coach. Napier was the head coach at Louisiana. But, you know, you can't win them all. I mean, I I don't think we should look too much into this. Uh, We were in the final two, Oregon, of course. But you can't win them all. And it, it, it does feel, you know, a little bit, for those of you golfers out there, with the way that, you know, signing day went and the recruits that Oregon has been bringing in and the impact I think they could have, which I've talked about extensively here on the show, you know, it kind of felt like when you make two birdies in a row on the golf course, you, you feel like you're never going to make a bogey again. I did that the other day and promptly made a bogey on the number 17 handicap hole uh, after back-to-back birdies, which, you know, golf, go figure. But that's kind of how this situation is for Dan Lanning and company. And I think that Oregon's going to be fine, but it it's a reminder, I bring it up today, to provide a sense of you know, the, the reality of recruiting. You're not going to win every, every battle. We've won a lot of them, you know, uh, Jaleel Florence notably among them, but you're not going to win every single battle, and that's okay. So I, I don't think it would have made much sense stylistically. Maybe not stylistically. That's not the right word. I think the fit wasn't exactly perfect here because Boardingham is a, a four-star He's listed as an athlete. He's a wide receiver, tight end. Everyone who plays NCAA 14 or any of those games, you know, athletes are the guys you always want to be going for on the recruiting trail. But 
The wide receiver and tight end rooms for Oregon's are pretty stacked, which is why I'm not too concerned about this at all. And tight end, it's not a flashy position. It, it, it's not. It doesn't always get a lot of love. Very rarely do you have guys who are going to play the tight end position and have a major, major impact. Oregon's had some good ones over the years. You know, Farrell Brown, before he got hurt, Johnny Munt made some nice plays. Colt Lyurla, man, just a a shame how his career ended up uh, finishing out at Oregon and beyond because that guy is a physical freak of nature. Uh, There's a video of him jumping out of a pool, like waist high, which if you've never tried is ridiculously impossible. But anyway, I digress here. So, you know, Justice Lowe is in this recruiting class three or, you know, depending on where you look, four-star. But the way I look at him seems more like a, a three-star kind of guy. He's in this recruiting class. We have Dante Thornton, Isaiah Crocker, uh, Brevard is in there as well, Troy Franklin, Chris Hudson at wide receiver. So I, I, I think, and I've talked about this before, that position is is going to be fine. And with Lowe coming in, you're only going to add more depth there. And, and by the way, just a named monitor, Chase Coda is still in the portal as I'm recording this on Sunday night post-Super Bowl. Shout out to Johnny Munt and Justin Hollins, by the way, winning a championship with, uh, with the LA Rams. I don't think Munt uh, did a lot in the game, but Hollins usually gets some some snaps in there on defense. So always love, always love keeping track of the the hashtag products, and I will I will always always do that as long as I get to host the show. But I think we're fine at wide receiver. But if he was you know a borderline wide receiver or tight end, the, the tight end room for Oregon is insanely stacked. I think. I mean, it, it's the deepest I can ever remember it being. They have been. Um, just kind of quietly, this staff and previous ones putting together a nice position group there on offense. And tight ends can be crucial to an offense, even if they don't always get all the love. And I'll tell you why it's such uh, a deep group at that particular position. But football season might be over. Basketball season, though, in full steam for pro and college shoots. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land... Bet Online is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, right to Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So not always the the flashiest position, the tight end spot, but they have such a huge impact because of the mismatches that they can make in the secondary. You know, if you get a tight end on a corner, he's typically going to be a lot bigger. We've seen that with Stanford over the years. They use tight ends really, really well in their offense, particularly down in the red zone when they throw those jump balls. But they're also crucial in the running game. And I've given a lot of praise, rightfully so, to Oregon's offensive line and how excited I am for that unit in 2022. But the tight ends are a part of that as well. And the tight end room, you've got Maliki Matavau, who is a, was a freshman this past year. Jake Ferguson, another freshman, both of whom you know, <laughs> really made plays in some pretty big spots. And then DJ Johnson, who goes both ways. He's in there, really good blocker, and was active on those RPOs uh, over the last couple of seasons in the Joe Moorhead offense. Had a big, 
big catch on third down against Ohio State. Spencer Webb caught a touchdown in 2019 from Herbert against Washington. He's made some other nice grabs. He's got great, great hands. He also made that catch in the Auburn game when he catches the ball in the end zone after Herbert dropped back and threw it across the field, showed the arm strength, and then Spencer Webb caught the ball, stepped over to the guy. Yeah, that was awesome. But uh, Cam McCormick, man, I, just, I hope that guy can stay healthy. He, he looks like a good player. All reports are that he's a good player, and it just sucks. He's never healthy. He's a grinder and made a big catch at Ohio State, but, man, I hope he's he's healthy this year. Uh, and Patrick Herbert is in there as well. So there's just, there's just talent all the way. I mean, that's six guys who I would feel comfortable with at, at tight end. We haven't seen a lot of Patrick Herbert yet, but he, he was a, a decently rated recruit, and we know he's got good football genes, so at least there's that. So we miss on Arliss Boardingham. But I, I'm confident in, in the pass-catching positions on the edge and on the interior with the tight ends for the Ducks. So I think that's okay. But, you know, it's always good to just kind of keep it real and know, can't win them all, didn't win this one, we're all right, moving on. Uh, le- less all right, in a sense. Uh, Oregon basketball. So a couple games last week for the Ducks. And as I record this on Sunday night, they've got a few games coming up this week. And, and boy, they just... Keep making it, the men do, uh, harder and harder on themselves as they come down the stretch. Just with some some losses you just can't really afford to have. And they play uh, tonight, as I'm recording this, and you're probably listening on Monday, which is when it will drop. They play Washington State, and that's not supposed to be as easy of a game as Cal was, which did not go well. But we'll get to that after I talk about the uh, the Stanford game on Thursday. So they beat Stanford on Thursday, and it was their ninth win in 10 games, or excuse me, their 10th win in their previous 11 games. And there were some real signs of growth and improvement, which is what you need to see leading up to March. You don't want to peak early. You want to peak late. And that has been a hallmark of Dana Altman teams. You hear that on any show talking about Oregon that knows their stuff with regards to to Coach Altman as a basketball coach. They peak late. And that's what we had been seeing. And the Stanford game was really fascinating. Oregon led most of the way. Cardinal made a push late. Stanford's been uh, respectable this year. Not great. Not terrible either. Uh, you know, they've had some some good moments, but they've also been a, a little inconsistent. And some people would say they've underperformed a touch. But Davion Harmon, I tell you what, he was making ridiculously tough shots en route to a season-high 21 points. He was 8 of 15 from the floor, great efficiency for a guard. Anytime a guard shoots over 50%, you're doing something right. Uh, he was 3-6 from downtown. Will Richardson only had 12 points in this one, but had 6 assists, 4 rebounds, no turnovers. It was not his best shooting game. He was 3 of 14, 1 of 8 from downtown. Again, this was Thursday against Stanford. Stanford's not a bad team, and beating them, even when you're at home, when your best all-around player isn't shooting it well, that in and of itself is a really good sign. Jacob Young only had 9 points in this game on 3 of 8 shooting. Being totally reliant on one guy the way that those uh, those Peyton Pritchard teams kind of were in, in Pritchard's final year with Oregon, you know, unfortunately we didn't get to see him in March Madness because the tournament was canceled. But in that year when he was really, really popping off and carrying the team, that was a little bit of a, a lower ceiling because they were so reliant. If Pritchard was off, then the offense just didn't have the guys around him to, to support and, and score enough points to win the game. But... 
the the Stanford game really gave me a lot of hope. Uh, and then they kind of let me down on, on Saturday. Um, Gary only had seven points and six boards on, on Thursday against the Cardinal, but it felt like he had done more than that. But I think that's because in Folly Dante had 12 points, seven boards, and a block on five of six shooting. He and Kepnong combined for a double-double, 16-11, and three blocks on six of seven shooting, two of two at the line. When those two make an impact like that, I've talked about how they're kind of the same player and very interchangeable. So that's why I put their stats together and see you know what their overall impact is. I think that when you can have that in the middle, it's really big for Oregon's defense. And if they can get 16 points combined, that is a huge, huge boost to the offense in these guards. So the Stanford game just showed a lot of really good things. And most importantly, I think, was that they closed late. And that has been a problem at times throughout the year. You know, if you watch the UCLA game, never should have gone to overtime, but it did. Another big matchup upcoming soon with the Bruins, by the way, which we'll talk about here on on the pod in upcoming episodes and such. But they tried to give that UCLA game away. The Utah game got way closer than it should have. But the Stanford game, they were able to kind of bring bring the hammer down, put their foot on the gas, and accelerate enough to the finish line to where it was uh, a fairly comfortable win making some free throws down the stretch helps you know they've improved in that category over the course of the season and that's been uh, a nice thing to see because it was definitely a struggle earlier in the early in the year so you know this team showed that, that they can right they showed that they can play at a high level and at their best they can play with just about anybody in the country there might be a ceiling on this team but when they're playing well, we've seen them go on the road and beat teams who are playing at a top five level. UCLA and USC the other night played a phenomenal game and a big one for Oregon in the standings. I'll tell you why after I tell you that it's the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, except not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. Almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I enjoy eating them. They are delicious. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of the best tasting built bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, marshmallowy, not just a protein bar. They're a treat covered in 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They're better, I promise. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Built bars, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, so Oregon basketball had some uh, some stumbles, you know, and as I've said, I'll always be honest with you here on the show. No one is, uh, no one's given me these thoughts. They're, they're just mine, but uh, we're going to ride the highs together. We're going to ride the lows together, and you have to... Go through the lows as a fan if you are going to if you're going to be able to appreciate the highs. So as you look at bracketology updated uh, two days ago going into Saturday because uh, I'm recording this on Sunday. So going into Saturday, Oregon was projected as the, this is the men that uh, that I'm talking about right now. They are projected as one of the last four buys, meaning they wouldn't have to play a first four in game as UCLA did a season ago and ended up going to the final four. So you never know. Sometimes that could be a good thing, but they're projected as a 10 seed. 
I believe. I'm double checking that right now. Yeah, they would be uh, in Fort Worth as a 10 seed if the season had ended on Saturday morning. But unfortunately, Oregon had to play Cal. They were a 14 and a half point favorite at home. And I, I'd written some notes down going into the game on, you know, to remind myself what I was thinking. And here's here's what I had written down. This better be a win, dot, 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 and it should not be close. Got to be able to get up for every game and play with that must-win urgency that this team needs to have right now. And then they didn't. It was a decent start. And then there was an eight-and-a-half-minute stretch of the game in the first half where Cal went on, checks notes, a 24-0 run. I'm going to say that again because it doesn't seem correct. A team that had lost 10 of 11 games on the road against a team in Oregon that had won 10 of its previous 11 games went on a 24-0 run. The three Ducks guards, Will Richardson, Davion Harmon, Jacob Young, in the first half, seven combined points, three of 16 from the floor. They weren't making shots. They weren't always getting great shots. And they were one of 13 from three-point range in the first half. It was the largest first-half deficit that Oregon has ever faced in Matthew Knight Arena. I mean, this was just, they were down 16. It was 38-22. to So the offense struggled, which has been at times the Achilles heel of Dana Altman coach teams. You know, they're consistently there at the defensive end for the most part, but the offense has had these droughts before. If you remember that tournament game with Peyton Pritchard and Kenny Wooten and, uh, and Lewis King against UC Irvine. They went up and had, I think, a 12-point lead going into the half. Didn't score for like the first seven or eight minutes coming out of the second half. Ended up winning the game remarkably. But these are the sorts of stretches that if you have them against good teams and tournament teams, that's one thing. To do it against a Cal team that was just taking on water in the ship in a big way, to do it against that team at home... That stung. It, it, it stung big time. And they allowed Jordan Shepard for the Bears to go off for 33 points. He was making everything he looked at, it seemed. He was 2-3 from downtown, 9-15 from the floor. It was brutal. But you, th- that's why you play the games. I mean, that is why you play the games. If you looked at this on paper, Oregon was hot, Cal was cold, Oregon at home, 14.5 point favorites, and Cal wins by 14 points. I mean, that is just not something you see every day in, in any sport. And Will Richardson made a valiant effort in the second half. He scored 20 of the Ducks' 36 second-half points, but uh, or 20 of the of the 42, and he ended with 22 points. I, I tell you what, they, um, they they just they just didn't have it. But as I've been saying on this show, their margin for error is not real big here. I mean, they were projected as a 10 seed, one of the last four buys going into Saturday, but that is a bad loss. That's a quad three loss, the third that Oregon has had this year. And if you don't know, college basketball wins are categorized into four quadrants. You've got quad one. Those are your your top 25 teams, top 30 or whatever. Quad two, a little bit below. Quad three, 
below that. And then quad four would be like a colossal upset, right? And, you know, this wasn't a colossal upset, but it was a pretty big time upset. You know, the Colorado loss at home, that was a quad three loss. Losing to Arizona State at home, that was a quad three loss. And we get another chance at the Sun Devils this week. Better beat them down in the road uh, in Tempe because Oregon now sits at 16 and eight and just so on the bubble. I, I mean, it's not a great place to be. It, it really is not. And I, I said if they finish the regular season with fewer than 10 losses, then they would be fine getting into the tournament. And that's still true. But they have got... I think five games left. I'm going to double-check this here. They've got five games left, I believe. If they are able to go one, two, three, four, five. No, they've got seven games left. If they go six and one in those games, yeah, they're they're in the tournament. <laughs> Easy. Easily. They will be in with an at-large, no problem. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. UCLA and USC at home, those are going to be tough games. At Arizona State, weird things always seem to happen in the desert. Washington State at home on, on Monday. Have a recap for that on, on tomorrow's pod. Hopefully I'm saying good things because if they lose to Washington State, who's playing good basketball, so is Washington, by the way. The Huskies just 13-10 and 10 this year, but in, in conference play, they are... Uh, they're up to where are they? <laughs> right behind the Ducks. They're eight and five in conference play, a game behind Oregon right now. And Arizona's cream of the crop of the Pac-12 right now, but uh, the Ducks have, have got to be able to step it up. And then uh, on the women's side, they had a chance earlier today. Again, recording this on Sunday to go five and zero in men's basketball, football, and women's basketball against the Beavs for the first time since 2000. You know, the men had a 3-0 sweep. The women beat the Beavs on Friday, but then at uh, Matthew Knight Arena on Sunday, unfortunately, were not able to to get the win. So, you know, tough tough times. And the women were, were at 24, 24th in the, uh, in the country, so I imagine they'll probably fall out of that. Still going to be able to get into the tournament, but they were trending up towards a four or five seed, maybe even a three at one point, And they, they've fallen off with, uh, with some losses as of late at ASU and at Arizona. Those were a couple of L's and then the Oregon state game as well. I still expect them to be in the tournament just fine, which, which will be fun come March. The men, I'm just, I'm not sure. We're just hanging, uh, we're hanging by, by a thread a little bit. And so every, every game's a must win and Oregon has got to start playing its best, best basketball again. If they can somehow just get on an absolute heater, go six and one down the stretch, boy, they'll be in good shape. But I don't see that happening. So it's just going to be it's going to be bubble watch from now until Selection Sunday. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.